0: Good morning, SSV family. Good morning. Uh, like Mandy said, my name is Jordan Arsenault, and uh, my wife Nikki and I are some of the founding members here at the South Suburban Vineyard Church. I'm so excited to be speaking to you this morning, and I also want to welcome those who are visiting for the very first time, welcome. And I want to acknowledge those who are watching on Facebook Live and uh, later on on YouTube, and uh, on iTunes, and you can also listen to us on Spotify. Um, you are more than welcome to visit with us here in Flossmore, Illinois, if you're in the neighborhood. Uh, in addition to that, uh, I also want to say that it's Black History Month. Yeah, it's Black History Month. And we here at the SSV are joining with the broader community during February to not only celebrate the accomplishments of black Americans, but also the freedom achieved by those who fought for justice, equality, and civil rights here in the United States and beyond. We encourage you to take time to learn something new about history and to attend local cultural events and to just inquire about the lives of seasoned African-Americans wherever you live. I had the opportunity to do that this week I get to meet and interview a wonderful man named Dr. Gregory Bell. Uh, Dr. Bell won a gold medal for the broad jump representing the US in the Olympic Games in Melbourne, Australia in 1956. Today he's 93 years old, but still sharp as a tack. It was wonderful reminiscing with him about his career as an athlete, and Dr. Bell also practiced dentistry for 50 years in Logan Sport, uh, Indiana, and uh, just to hear his struggles having vitiligo and also uh, experiencing racism during the civil rights movement, uh, it, was, it was just a life-changing experience sitting down with him, one that I won't soon forget. So I would encourage you to do the same wherever you live. Um, you never know, you might have an Olympian like living among you somewhere. All right, we're going to get into uh, the message this morning, and I first want to start with honoring one of my favorite people in the world my 12-year-old Ian Ian is in seventh grade and if I could use one word to describe him one adjective it would be passionate Um, when Ian puts his mind to something he does so passionately Uh, when it comes to geography there's no one I turn to more than Ian because Ian knows all 197 countries on each continent, and he even knows what the flags look like. Um, Some countries I've never even heard of before. Um, When Ian picked up the trumpet in fifth grade, um, he started practicing for hours at a time, and he continually does so today um, by himself and with his uh, brother Cam, who plays trombone, and he's even picked up the French horn And so he is practicing for hours a day, too, on that. And I've just noticed that when Ian puts his mind to anything, he goes at it with full force. So I just want to let you know that I love you. I thank God for you. Um, And in my own life, in in my relationship with Jesus, I want to pursue him with Ian-like passion. And I would encourage you to do the same. Amen? Uh, And if you've been hanging around this church long enough, uh, you know another thing about Ian, and that is he's a gamer. Somebody who frequently plays video games. In fact, um, if you're a parent here at SSV, your kids have probably played video games with Ian. Um, And you've probably not only seen them play video games with Ian, you've probably heard them play video games with Ian. Because Ian gets really loud when he plays video games. Uh, this is a picture of his room. Um, it's all video game themed. Um, he it loves the game Minecraft um, and uh, Stumble Guys on his phone, and he plays Fall Guys. And uh, the guy just loves video games. Um, and so, uh, you know, for his birthday this year, uh, we decided to do something special for him and for our for our family, and we've relocated all the games from our living room to his room, (laughs) and it's mainly so the sound of his voice over his headset is like greatly reduced, so we don't hear it throughout the rest of the house. Now I rarely play video games myself these days, um, but I too was a passionate video game player as a kid. I vividly remember playing long nights of video games. These are some relics on the wall here. Um, uh, We played uh, Wizards and Warriors until my eyes hurt. Um, uh, Mike Tyson's Punch-Out, Castlevania, Legends of Zelda, and uh, Super Mario Brothers. Um, My my brothers and I love playing uh, pro wrestling on NES and uh, Blades of Steel, bases loaded and Double Dribble together. And so this would be on the Nintendo Entertainment System. Uh, but there was one game that we used to play a lot over the entire summer. And it was a game called Life Force. Uh, it was a scrolling two-player shooter game where you played spaceships uh, flying through a giant alien. And uh, it was infected with a strain of bacteria. And each stage of the game was a different part of the alien's body, really cool. Uh, We'd spend hours shooting our way through each level until we reached the final boss, a biomechanical brain. Uh, And using our pulse lasers and our force fields, uh, we would blast the infection and save the alien at the end of the game. We must have beaten this game, I don't know, what do you think, Jesse? Dozens of times Um, during this entire summer. But it wasn't because we were the most talented gamers in the world. Uh, The reason we won was because of something called the Konami Code. Is this ringing any bells for anybody? (laughs) How many of you have heard of the Konami Code? A few of you. Okay. Well, if you haven't heard of it, it goes like this. Uh, If you're playing a game made by the Japanese video game company, Konami, uh, all you have to do is enter this code, or a variation of this code, at the start screen of each game using your controller. Uh, Does anyone know what the code is? Oh, I guess we're putting it up. (laughs) So, the code goes like this, up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B, A, start. Um, For Life Force, actually, you would have to put um, up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B, A, select, start, It's a little (laughs) variation. Um, And once the code is entered, uh, each player receives 30 lives. And this was a literal game changer for anybody playing Nintendo in the 90s. And it helped my brothers and I beat Life Force and Contra and other Konami games. In fact, this cheat code has become legendary. Uh, Today, you can use the code on newer games that aren't even made by Konami uh, to access uh, vintage screens and special levels and special items. The Konami code was even immortalized in the Disney movie Wreck-It Ralph, when King Candy uses the Konami code to get into the game's programming so that he can change it. Uh, When I googled Konami code, um, a bunch of images came up uh, while preparing for this sermon, and lots of tattoos. (laughs) Lots of tattoos. (laughs) It seems that anyone who experienced what it felt like to have eternal life in a difficult video game Uh, has nostalgic feelings about the Konami code. And I do too, if you can't tell. And I think in our own lives, we love when we can discover cheat codes. Uh, Secret knowledge that when applied to tricky situations makes things easier. We love promo codes that give us the best deals on online purchases, right? Uh, We love life hacks promoted by social media influencers that help us circumnavigate government red tape, or like cooking tips or home improvement tips that make tasks much easier. We love backstage passes and secret passwords that help us gain access to exciting places the average Joe can't. You know, some of you here today and watching live on Facebook are attending this service because this is what you do on Sunday. And some of you are here today because you love to worship. And some of you are here today because this is where you find community. And if we're being honest, some of you are here today because you heard that there was hot chocolate after the service for your kids. And you know Cassandra makes a mean cup of Swiss Miss. Uh, But I'd venture to guess in a room this size, there's also some of you here today who've tried playing the game of life on your own terms and other people's expectations, and you found yourself languishing. In the rat race of keeping up with the Joneses, finding success, finding happiness, finding peace, finding love, finding fulfillment, Uh, pursuing the American dream. Uh, You've been tallying up your losses. And you just want to know, is faith in Jesus the cheat code? Um, Is the beloved community, the church, a kind of game genie that will help you win more at life? Uh, We have a sermon series coming up that's all about questions for God. And you're asking yourself, does God have the answers I'm looking for? In John 6, a group of people that uh, Jesus fed, um, they found him and they demanded that he do miracles. And they actually demanded that he teach them how to do miracles. And they wanted him to give them bread from heaven, like what Moses provided, uh, what God provided through Moses in the desert. And Jesus responded in a strange way. Uh, He said that he was the bread of life and that anyone who eats his flesh and drinks his blood uh, has eternal life. And understandably, people were confused. And needless to say, he he lost some followers that day. But Jesus asked his remaining disciples if they were going to leave him. And uh, this is what we read in John 6, 67 through 68. Uh, Then Jesus turned to the twelve and asked, Are you also going to leave? Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know you are the Holy One of God. Despite Jesus' difficult teaching, Peter knew one thing, at least in that moment. Jesus had the cheat code. In fact, Jesus was the cheat code. And it wasn't a cheat code that would give you 30 additional lives. It was a cheat code that would give you eternal life, endless love, and sufficient grace and mercy all the days of your life. Here at the South Suburban Vineyard Church, we're at the very end of a sermon series that we're simply calling How to Be Wise. And we've been defining wisdom as skill in living, and also as competence with regard to life's realities. People who are wise make the complex look simple because they have years of experience, knowledge, and good judgment. They're skilled in navigating the gray areas of life where just following the rules is a little more complicated. So over the last four weeks, we've talked about where wisdom begins. Uh, We've acknowledged our gap between our own wisdom and surrounding ourselves with those who have it. We've talked about being wise with our money and not being beholden to our emotions and our decision-making. And last week, Gino preached about how to be culturally wise as we go about fulfilling the Great Commission. Today, I have the privilege of closing our series with a sermon I'm calling Jesus's Cheat Code to Wisdom. Jesus's Cheat Code to Wisdom. Uh, We're going to be in Matthew 7, and feel free to follow along on your devices, on your paper Bibles. We also have Bibles at the edges of each row, and the scriptures will be on the screens in front of you. Um, I'm going to be starting in Matthew chapter 7 at verse 24, Uh, but before we do that, let me pray. Come Holy Spirit. Father, I thank you uh, for this church. I thank you for each one listening uh, here in in this building and online. Father, I ask that you would open our hearts to receive what you have to say today, Lord. Open our ears. Father, I pray that you would remove every uh, distraction. Um, I thank you for our young people who are here in the service today. I pray that you would remove any distraction um, from them, Lord. And Father, I just pray that we would just be wet cement, Father, that everything that you have to say would just stick And solidify. And uh, I pray, Father, that uh, we can glean as much wisdom from what you have to say as possible. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, before I get started, I'll set up where we're at in Matthew. Uh, Matthew is one of four books about Jesus' life. And today we'll be reading uh, from the end of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, his Sermon on the Mount. Probably regarded, I mean, regarded by everybody as his most famous and enduring sermon. Um, uh, I mean, in life, the Sermon on the Mount, that's a lot of what you need to know, is the Sermon on the Mount. Matthews 5, 6, and 7. Um, so Jesus goes up on this mountainside, and he begins teaching these crowds about a variety of subject, subjects, but he flips the script by wiping away all of their social hierarchies, and he talks about who's really important in the kingdom of God and it's surprising who's important in the kingdom of God. He teaches about how to live the good life and he teaches about the Jewish laws, about anger, adultery, divorce, taking vows, revenge, loving your enemies, giving to the poor, fasting, how to pray, money, materialism, judging others, Treating people the way you want to be treated. Identifying false prophets. I mean, he covers the gamut in this sermon. Everybody needs to read it and memorize it. And he lands the plane, so to speak, where we'll pick up in verse 24. So Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rains come in torrents, and the floodwaters rise, and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse, because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come, and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash." When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority, quite unlike their teachers of religious law. Amen. So as we read, you know, after this comprehensive uh, collection of Jesus' teachings, Jesus tells us the cheat code for becoming a wise person. I hope you caught it. It's not up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B, A, start. Um, If you were looking for something secret or deep, um, some kind of spell or incantation, I'm sorry to leave you disappointed. Uh, The cheat code for wisdom that Jesus lays out is simply this. Listen and follow. He says, anyone who first listens and then follows his teaching and we can assume he means all of his teachings, not just ones in the Sermon on the Mount, is wise. So the cheat code is, listen, follow, listen, follow, listen, follow, over a lifetime, and you will be wise. Uh, to me, this is the left-right, left-right, left-right that, that Gino was talking about in the first week of this sermon series. Um, that true discipleship towards Jesus is the cheat code to becoming wise. And he also teaches that this dailyness of listening and following is a firm foundation, which he describes as bedrock. That when the inevitable storms of life come, as they come for everyone, regardless of belief in Jesus, we can stand strong and withstand them. Because, really being honest, most of what we've built our lives on can come apart at any moment. But Jesus, our cornerstone, is saying that being rooted in him through listening to his wise words and following his example will be a bulwark against the realities of living in a world corrupted by sin, a world afflicted with diseases, a world prone to tragedy and conflict, a planet groaning from pollution and decay, and a world full of people just like us inclined to look after their own self-interests. So, if the cheat code to wisdom is to listen and follow, how do we do it? I mean, it sounds simple enough, but if 2,000 years of Christian belief has taught us anything, it's really hard to do. We haven't quite figured this out yet. But I feel like God has given us some surprising advice on how to do it. But before we get to those, I'll be breaking down these two concepts. Uh, The first part, listening. What Jesus implores us to do. Listen. As we know, it's really hard to follow directions if you're not listening. Parents, we all experience this with our kids. When we ask them to do something, and they say they didn't hear us. And husbands... (laughs) You know, if I'm being honest, it's hard to do what my wife Nikki says if I'm not listening to her. Listening, not just hearing, but listening is very important. In the Old Testament wisdom literature, there's this book called Proverbs. And Proverbs can best be described as a playlist of Solomon's uh, favorite teachings that he's contributed to and curated over time. It's a series of speeches from a father to a son and poems from a figure called Lady Wisdom as well as a collection of the ancient Near East's greatest hits of general wisdom. So in Proverbs 2, this is what we read as it relates to listening. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 1. My child, listen to what I say and treasure my commands. Tune your ears to wisdom and concentrate on understanding. Cry out for insight and ask for understanding. Search for them as you would for silver. Seek them like hidden treasures. Then you will understand what it means to fear the Lord, and you will gain knowledge of God. For the Lord grants wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He grants a treasure of common sense to the honest. He is a shield to those who walk with integrity. He guards the paths of the just and protects those who are faithful to him. If you've read the Sermon on the Mount, what you can tell immediately from this passage is that Jesus had proverbs in him on the mountainside. I love the language used here in the New Living Translation. Tune your ears, right? Cry out for insight. Search. It sounds like we need to not only be listening to God's wisdom through the scriptures, but we need to be begging for it and pursuing it. I also love how the writer describes wisdom. He says, treasure my commands, search for them like silver, seek them like hidden treasures. He's describing wisdom as something valuable, precious, and hidden, as the best cheat codes are. I had the privilege of teaching this passage in student ministry uh, with some of our junior high students uh, earlier this month. And uh, to frame it, I always try to come up with examples. And so I asked if any of them had read Robert Louis Stevenson's uh, book, Treasure Island. And they all kind of shook their head and it was like, no. And I was like, well, maybe they haven't uh, taken British literature yet. (laughs) So then I thought, you know what? In the 2000s, there was a remake of Treasure Island by Disney called Treasure Planet. I bet you they've seen that. And they all kind of shook their heads and said, no. And uh, I was like, man, I'm old. I'm I'm reading books from the 1800s, and I'm I'm watching movies from the 2000s, and these kids have no idea what I'm talking about. Um, So I had to come up with something that relates to treasure, that they could connect to. And I thought, perfect, Minecraft. The game Minecraft. Um, So in Minecraft, uh, it's this endless open world. And you play in a couple different modes, but uh, the one survival mode that you play in, uh, you have to mine materials to build things. And so they were able to understand this seeking and searching for precious materials because that's what you have to do in the game. And I noticed while I was, I was teaching the junior hires, the, the high schoolers were on the other side, and I could, I could see them kind of looking over, like, talking about Minecraft? So in the midst of teaching them, I got to share this long passage from Job 28. Do you remember this, Eli? Um, that's all about mining and treasure as it relates to wisdom. So in the story of Job, a righteous man who has everything, basically has everything taken away from him in order to prove... For God to prove to Satan that Job will stay faithful. And what follows is many, many long conversations between Job and his friends about why this is happening to Job. And uh, in Job 28, uh, Job begins to speak poetically about wisdom and understanding by metaphor. uh, Through what was probably the most sophisticated technology in the ancient Near East at that time, mining. And so I'm not going to read the whole thing. It's 28 verses, but uh, we'll pick up in Job 28, 1 through 12. This is, the, this is the wisdom chapter. Job says this. People know where to mine silver and how to refine gold. They know where to dig iron from the earth and how to smelt copper from rock. They know how to shine light in the darkness and explore the farthest regions of the earth as they search for dark, in the dark for ore. They sink a mine shaft into the earth, far from where anyone lives. They descend on ropes, swinging back and forth. Food is grown on a, the earth above, but down below the earth is melted by fire. Here the rocks contain precious lapis lazuli. The kids love this part, by the way, because in Minecraft, they have lapis. So they were really excited about it. Um, here the rocks contain precious lapis lazuli, and the dust contains gold. There are treasures no bird of prey can see, no falcon's eye observe. No wild animal has walked upon these treasures. No lion has ever set paw there. People know how to tear apart flinty rocks and overturn the roots of mountains. They cut tunnels in the rocks and uncover precious stones. They dam up the trickling streams and bring to light the hidden treasures. But do people know where to find wisdom? Where can they find understanding? So I love the language that Job is using here to describe wisdom. And he's using mining as a metaphor on how to find it. We'll skip down to verse 23. Job says this. God alone understands the way to wisdom. He knows where it can be found. For he looks throughout the whole earth and sees everything under the heavens. He decided how hard the wind should blow and how much rain should fall. He made the laws for the rain and laid out a path for the lightning. Then he saw wisdom and evaluated it. He set it in place and examined it thoroughly. And this is what he says to all humanity. The fear of the Lord is true wisdom. To forsake evil is understanding. As much as wisdom is like hidden treasure, you can't find it buried on some desert island and you can't find it on Treasure Planet and you can't find it in a video game like Minecraft and you can't find it in a shaft. Wisdom comes from God who created space, time, and matter and its beginning is what Gino talked about in the first week of this series the fear of the Lord the fear of the Lord Reverent respect and admiration for the creator of all. Jesus, who is one with God the Father and the Holy Spirit, creating all things from the beginning of time. The fear of the Lord is what should make us stand up and listen, glean from his teachings every ounce of application that we can, and download them into the playlist of our hearts. Listening over and over again turning them over in our hands like precious gems and shining them like silver, letting them sink into us like gravel and pebbles and bricks and mortar, forever building a firm foundation over what time we have left. This is what it means to listen. But, But the listening is only as good as the following. Uh, Jesus didn't say, just listen. Uh, He said, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock. So now we're going to take a little time to talk about the other side of this cheat code, following. Which is just another word for obedience. And really, when you think about it, It's just doing what God had in mind when he made us. That is all following is. When we believe in Christ, that we're made in God's image, that we're ambassadors for Christ, that we're representing Jesus to the world, and that we're to imitate God in everything we do, we're just leaning into this new identity when we follow Jesus' teachings. The book of James puts it like this in chapter 1. James 1, 22-25. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself walk away and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. You'll have access to the good life. God will bless you for doing it. I love the language that James uses here about a mirror. And I think some of us, if we're being honest, um, we don't even recognize ourselves when we look in the mirror. We've sat under such good teaching over the years in this church and maybe in the churches that we've grown up in, but we haven't let it sink into our inner being. And we're saddled with besetting sins, as if God isn't who he he is, omnipresent, all-powerful, omnipotent, and we aren't who we are, made in his image and citizens of his kingdom here on the earth. You know, we're kind of like Simba in The Lion King. Um, We're staring into the river water, and we need to be reminded of who we are and what we were made for. We need to both listen and follow. So if Jesus' cheat code to becoming wise is listen, follow, listen, follow, listen, follow, I think all of us could use some practical steps that we can take every day so that we can be better at this and be wiser in our daily lives. Amen? And surprisingly, I think my son's practice of video gaming can teach us a few things about listening and following Jesus well. And the first practice I think we can learn is immersion. Immersion. Uh, Psalm 1 1 through 3 says this All the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or stand around with sinners, or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They're immersed. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit in each season. Man, that sounds great. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. One thing that is instructive to me about when I watch Ian play video games is he's completely immersed in the game, which is probably why when we ask him to do something, he can't hear us. (laughs) He's really focused on nothing else but the game. Like if he's playing Fall Guys um, on his uh, on his uh, Xbox, or if he's playing Stumble Guys on his phone, um, he's concentrating on every obstacle so that he can get around it. And is, is anyone familiar with uh, the VR headsets? Like the VR headsets are kind of getting kind of popular right now. There's um, what used to be called Oculus is now called Meta um, Quest, and then now Apple's coming out with a with a uh, VR headset, Apple Vision Pro. Uh, these are devices that you wear over your eyes where you're completely immersed in the game and the applications that you're using. And I feel like the minute you declare yourself a Christian, it's like, or at least it should be, it's like you're putting on Christ's headset. Uh, You're endeavoring to see the world through the lens of the upside-down kingdom, through the lens of Jesus' teaching. So one way we can get better at listening and following Jesus is by immersing ourselves in him. And we do that through spiritual discipline. Spiritual disciplines. You know, some examples of spiritual disciplines are daily prayer or daily worship and daily Bible reading. If some of the first things we do in the morning is get acquainted with the truth of God through conversation with him and through singing to him and through listening to his word or reading his word, uh, we're going to pick up Jesus' worldview a lot quicker. Uh, does, anyone, does anyone know what a polyglot is? a polyglot is, oh someone does a polyglot is someone who is known for speaking many languages um, and the way they learn to speak is they um, immerse themselves in the language and they do so by spending time in the areas where they speak the language that they want to learn and uh, by consuming media that's spoken in the language that they want to learn and uh, a lot of, a lot of them if you follow them on YouTube they actually eat at the restaurants and eat the food of the pe- of the people of the language that they want to learn, um, and so I think if we want to be better listeners and followers of Jesus, we need to do what polyglots do. We need to live and breathe who He is by being spiritually disciplined, so His words are on our mind all the time. Amen. Uh, the second thing I think we can learn from my son's uh, practice of video gaming is we need to subscribe to the Holy Spirit. We need to subscribe to the Holy Spirit. Uh, when my brothers and I were kids, uh, we didn't read a whole lot growing up, um, but one thing that we read cover to cover that we couldn't wait to get in the mail every month was Nintendo Power. Yeah. Um, uh, who, who else uh, had a subscription to Nintendo Power? Anybody else? Um, um, it was news and information about the latest Nintendo games, and it contained tips and tricks and cheat codes Uh, for playing the latest titles. It was a monthly guide for us as we rented games from the video store and attempted to beat the final bosses on both Nintendo and Super Nintendo. Now my son isn't subscribed to any gaming magazines. I don't think he's ever even looked in a magazine before. But he is subscribed to many YouTubers and he consumes many videos giving him tips and tricks on his favorite games. And he checks his phone daily to see if he has new notifications for when a new video has been uploaded. Jesus says this in John 14 to his disciples. If you love me, obey my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Since I live, you also will live. When I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, My Father will love them, and I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. I don't think it's a coincidence that, in the same breath that Jesus says that the best way to love him is to obey his commandments, that he also promises the Holy Spirit to his disciples. This actually came up in our small group last week. It's really hard to listen and to follow Jesus on our own power. I think a lot of times, it's not only that we're just hearing and not obeying, but it's also that we're not inviting the Holy Spirit into our moments of doubt and disobedience and temptation. And that may be why we talk a lot about the Holy Spirit at this church. I don't know if you guys have noticed. Um, But we believe that the Holy Spirit is absolutely essential for the life of a Christian. So if the cheat code to wisdom is looking carefully into the perfect law that sets us free, Jesus' teaching, and being obedient to it, we need to subscribe to the Holy Spirit by being filled with the Holy Spirit if we will ever have a good chance of being continually wise. Amen? Uh, Jesus described the Holy Spirit as the Advocate. A helper or counselor who is the spirit of truth convicting us of sin and pointing us towards God's standard, reminding us to fear the Lord. Uh, The final gaming tip that I think will help us become better listeners and followers is to play with friends. Play with friends. The author of Hebrews puts it like this: Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. One thing I can say about Ian is he does not neglect in meeting together with friends to play games online. Um, uh, It was really hard when we were kids to get kids to come over and play video games. It had to be like somebody's birthday. Man, but kids today, they can just log on and find friends and they can, you know, spend hours just working together and talking over headsets to accomplish a goal in a game. And as it relates to listening and following Jesus, the collective teaching of the New Testament says it's best done as a team sport. I mean, that's why we're all here together today and listening online. Worshiping corporately and praying with one another and even listening together as a unit helps us achieve the unity that Jesus wanted for his disciples and the future church. And we take this even a step further when we meet in smaller groups during the week. Each time we gather together, With the beloved community, we sharpen our knowledge of God and deepen deepen our understanding of his will for our lives. We're not meant to do the Christian life as lone wolves, but to receive Jesus' teachings as the crowds and disciples did. We read in the Gospels that Jesus would give parables. Made-up stories designed to give a lesson. And we read that after Jesus would deliver these parables to the crowds, the disciples would later, would later gather around him and ask, them, ask him what they meant. So we read this in Mark chapter 4. Jesus says this, Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Then he added, Pay close attention to what you hear. The closer you listen, the more understanding you will be given. And you will receive even more to those who listen to my teaching more understanding will be given. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. worship team, you guys can come up. So I think what Jesus is saying is that the more we're immersed in his wisdom and the more we subscribe to the Holy Spirit's leaning and the more we do so in a community of learning, the more we're going to retain. And the warning that he gives is, the more we don't have our ears tuned continually, the better chance we'll lose what we've already heard. And the more we lose what we've already learned, the less we'll follow what Jesus taught. And a consequence of not growing in wisdom by listening and following Jesus is we won't be those trees planted along the riverside, producing fruit out of season, like in James 1. And a consequence of not growing in wisdom by listening and following Jesus is we won't have access to the good life promised in James 1. And a consequence of not growing in wisdom by listening and following Jesus is we become foolish. And when the rains and floods come, and the winds beat against our metaphorical house, it will collapse with a mighty crash, like Jesus said. But what I love about this life, that's different from a video game, is it's never game over. And there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. God, in his kindness, gives us so many extra plays and resets, he is merciful. And he's a compassionate father, slow to get angry, and filled with unfailing love. His forgiveness gives us so many do-overs and so much grace and mercy to try again. As we worship, uh, let's remember all that we've learned in this wisdom series. And let's lift up the name of Jesus, who didn't leave us in the lurch, but gave us his Holy Spirit and a record of his teachings so that we can have an opportunity to live in the fullness of life and grow in wisdom. Let me pray. Come Holy Spirit. Father, I thank you that Jesus said that, um, anyone can come to him with heavy burdens and he would give us rest. I thank you that Jesus' yoke is light and his burden is easy. So I just just pray, Father, that uh, you would just come and anyone who's feeling just weighed down by things that are happening in their lives, um, sickness, disease, um, conflict, I just pray that you would just be a balm on those wounds. And I pray, Father, that, uh, you know, what you've said through your word today, that God would just settle on our hearts. Help us to become wiser people, Lord. Help us to listen to what you've already said. 2,000 years of your teaching and wisdom. Help us to invite the Holy Spirit into those situations where we don't know what to do. And help us to commune with you more and to commune with the saints, this church. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.